Hey there, I'm Alan Furstenberg. And I'm Mark Tucker. Welcome to Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. How about you, Alan? I'm 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 doing. I'm <laughs> it's been busy. A little bit yeah, crazy. Busy and crazy out here too, but uh it's always good to talk to you. It's, and it uh, is it is fantastic to talk to you. So um, I, it, I look it really, forward to these these times. Yeah, it, it really does help make uh make make my week a little bit better. I always appreciate that. Um so I don't know, you know, in some ways it feels like a lot has been going on and a lot has been going on. And in some ways it feels like, you know, there are all sorts of, of projects and stuff that I've been working on forever that I feel like I need to do something else with, you know. Um, and and it's it's always challenging, you know, when I'm, I'm faced at those crossroads, I'm like, well, what do I do next? Where, where do I want to go with that? Well, uh, when we first met in person, we were talking about different ideas and I was talking about uh, speech markdown and you were telling me something about Voodoo Drive. And I was thinking we've known each other for a long time and I've still never seen a demo of Voodoo Drive. I've never shown you a demo of Voodoo Drive. That's that's pretty funny because I it is my favorite project. Um, it's, it's probably one of my favorite projects that I've done in voice. It's one of the things I love using in voice. Um, so yeah, sure, we can we can take a look at Voodoo Drive. That's it's actually an interesting example because it's one of the um the applications that is kind of at a crossroads right now. And I, I need to figure out the right path to take. And we'll we'll discuss some of that, I think. Okay. Sounds good. Um so give, give me uh, I guess give, give me a reminder and everybody out there uh kind of what is Voodoo Drive and maybe how it came to be. So how it came to be is another interesting story. So Voodoo <laughs> Drive, in its its current incarnation, primarily focuses kind of primarily answers the question of what would it be like if you could talk with a spreadsheet. And some of those choices are very you know some of the the word choices there are very intentional. It's not talk to a spreadsheet. It's not query data from a spreadsheet. It's very much a, what does a voice spreadsheet feel like? Interesting. And when I first started talking about some of these concepts to people, they would say, oh, yeah, I used to do that with, you know, Dragon Naturally Speaking. I'd say, you know, go to cell A1 and set the value to whatever and go to cell B3 and set the value to whatever and so forth. And I said, yeah, that doesn't feel natural at all, does it? And, uh, yeah, and that, and that's the first thing that I had in mind. I'm like, okay, so how are you going to control this spreadsheet with your voice? How, well, so that's I'll show you in a minute. Okay. Um, but kind of the approach that I started taking is what what does it feel like to have a spreadsheet and also to be able to do stuff with it, put data in, get data out, what we use the spreadsheet for, um, yeah. changing things and doing what if scenarios. Uh, and kind of one of my early premises was spreadsheets have built-in structure. They're a grid, but mostly when we use spreadsheets, we do things like we put column headers on them by default. True. So we can refer to things by column. And most of the time when we're dealing with a spreadsheet, we're dealing with the last row of data. So 
we can make that as a reasonable assumption. And most of the time, each row is just a copy of the previous row in terms of formulas and formatting and all of that kind of stuff. True. But we're going to want to fill in our own values. Okay. And lots of spreadsheets will have as one of the, the columns, and usually the first column, a date or a date and time, or something like that. So with kind of all of these thoughts in mind, what, is that, what does that feel like? And that's what I set out to, to explore. So, so, uh, so is it more along the lines of, you know, whatever, some column, let's, uh, um, I don't know, say like product, you could say add something to product, and it would just add it to the end. Is that kind of the idea? Kind of. Not quite. Right. There, there were a lot of the language model that I was doing. I was the one doing the language model. So I didn't necessarily have the best choices in some of the phrasing. And there are some limitations in what we can do and how we can do it. There are some design constraints and mm -hmm. some developer constraints, which we'll also talk about. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you what, let me, let me show you a demo. Okay. So before I begin, what we have up here is a fairly simple, straightforward spreadsheet, you know, kind that lots and lots of people do. And one of the things to remember also when when doing this is I kind of said, um, everyone knows how to do a spreadsheet. Most people know, you know, when you, you tell them to make a spreadsheet for something, they know what they're doing. Simple formulas, simple layout, everything pretty simple. And that's what we have here. We've got uh, a demo document that is meant to uh, let you record your weight again, you know, uh, the day that you took your weight and tell you whether your weight is up or down from the previous entry. And if it's down, it highlights that in green. And if it's up, it highlights it in red. Um, and then there's also a, a more friendly way to look at it, you know, so it's, it'll tell you it's either down two or up one or whatever. So in addition to a color coded number, there's also a, a nice plain text version. And if we kind of look at these, these are these are formulas. You know, they're they're pretty pretty simple formulas, all all things considered. The other thing I kind of want to point out about this is, although I am showing this spreadsheet on the screen so people can see it, the spreadsheet itself doesn't need to be on a screen at any time while you're using the action. So while you're using Voodoo Drive, you don't need to see it. It doesn't need to be running. Everything gets saved to a Google Sheet, and you can you look at it later. But one of the nice things about Google Sheets is that it also has uh, dynamic updates. So any update that I do make through Voodoo Drive will immediately show up. So let's uh, let's let's run through a quick demo. Hey Google, ask Voodoo Drive to open demo. I've opened the spreadsheet named demo. What would you like to do now? Add a row. A new row. You got it. What would you like to do next? Prompt me. Okay. What would you like to set weight to? 187. Got it. I've set weight to 187. That's all the values to set. What would you like to do now? What's the value of change? Change is currently 2. What would you like to do next? Get difference. Difference is currently up to. What would you like to do now? Change weight 
to 186. Wade is now 186. What would you like to do? Change it to 184. I've set weight to 184. What would you like to do? Quit. Thank you for using Voodoo Drive. So let's talk a little bit about what we saw there. Um, and more importantly, what we heard there. So the first thing is that it used a, a deep link to immediately open up the file. And that's just, a, like I said, a, a regular file that's in uh, Google Drive. And we could say, hey, G, uh, open the file named demo in this case. And it did. If I just started Voodoo Drive, I could also do things like get a listing of the files that were available and so forth. Uh, once the file was open, I could have asked it for things like, uh, describe this file to me. You know, Tell me what columns you have, for example. Uh, instead, what I told it to do was add a row. And what you saw when it added the row is it copied down the formulas from the previous row. It copied the formatting from the previous row. And for uh, columns that looked like they had dates in them, it put in the current date. And then otherwise it left everything else blank. So when I right. told it to prompt me, it knew what cells needed to be filled in. It prompted me which cell, you know, for, for each of the values. In this case, there was only weight, but if there was more than that, it would prompt me for each one. Then when it was done, it said, okay, that's everything. What do you want to do now? And I could start making queries like, well, what's the value of uh, the difference at this point? And then I can go back and change my weight if I don't like the answers. Um, and everything gets reflected again. One of the things that I particularly liked about this is that, you know, I, I said something like, you know, set weight to, to 186. And then I said, set it to 184. Right. So there's this notion of state about what you're talking about. You're always so talking is about referring to yeah the, the most recent value that was changed. Right. You know, you're, I could have also said things like, what did I set it to? And it would tell me what I just set it to. Okay. Um, so it's always working on the last row. It has a notion, uh, a notion of which column you're in and the last column that you just talked about. So, you know, it's, it's referencing the column headers. So that's what I see a conversation with a spreadsheet, the, the basics of a conversation with a spreadsheet just beginning to look like. Okay. And there's plenty of other things that I, you know, I'm like, I really want to do as part of this, but I'm not there yet. And that's part of the crossroads as well. Now is querying then only for that last row? Could you query some a previous value? That is a really good question. And currently the way it's set up is querying is just on the last row. But what I kind of, you know, um, what I where I'm going with that is that spreadsheets have a function called VLOOKUP and HLOOKUP and XLOOKUP and query. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's fairly easy that if you want to be able to do queries, you set up another sheet or part of the same sheet that you give it a value and it does the lookup against this sheet and can tell you the results. So any query like that that you want to do, it's just another spreadsheet function. So you make it just another spreadsheet that you ask. And, and 
part of what I'm I'm pondering is, well, okay, how much of that do I do for you automatically? So if you said something like, um, what's the value of weight on uh, January 10th? Will it set up that query for you? Yeah. Then run the query and give you the answer. And the answer kind of is, yeah, it really should, but that's several steps down the road still. Yeah. So uh, I, I have some developer questions about this, but is there anything else you wanted to explain before yeah, let, we... let's go into the developer questions. I'm, you know, anything else that comes up will come up. Okay. First question you you asked to open demo. How do you register demo as something that's voice enabled? <laughs> that's actually a, a much better question than you thought. Um, so some of this goes to how Google Drive structures its permission system okay, and how account linking works with Google Assistant. So right now, when you go into, go through account linking, it attaches, it, it assumes that your files will be under the same account that your Google Assistant account will be. Oh, And okay. in the account linking flow, it then asks for permission to access your Google Drive files. Now, here's where it starts getting tricky. In the past, Google has said, if you want access to any files on the drive, you need to ask for a particular OAuth scope called drive.files. The problem is drive.files is a really, really broad scope. It means you have access to all of the files in your Google Drive to do anything you want with them, including delete them. Ooh. So what I've done is kind of said, I promise I will just look at files that are in a folder that you designate. I promise, honest. <laughs> and that has worked so that has worked well so far. Mm-hmm. The problem is eventually Google started realizing, you know, this is a really, really big and powerful scope. So anybody that wants to use it, we're going to need you to do a, um, a val- you know, we're going to need you to do a code review with an independent auditor. And you get to pay for that. Oh, interesting. And I've never heard I, of that I, before. Yeah, they don't, they've got a couple of scopes that they, they require that for because these are really, really powerful scopes. Um, And I don't really want to pay the money for a code auditor. So I needed to look at other scopes that are available to me. So they have a scope that basically says any files that this app creates, it can access, but only files that this app creates. Oh. And that's a little bit better. But now I've got the problem of how do I create that? So that's kind of a chicken and egg problem. Fortunately, they also give an exception to that. And that's that if you use uh, the Google file picker and the file picker is registered to your project, the file picker will have access to all of the files, but the one that a user selects now becomes available to your app. So you can only see Hmm. files that the user permits. And that's fantastic, except there is no file picker in voice. Yeah. 
So this is a case where uh, you, you and, and these are changes that are still coming. This is relatively new and I haven't incorporated all of them yet. So what you will be able to do is go to the Voodoo Drive website and log in and then use the file picker to say, okay, these files will be available to Voodoo Drive and only these files. Okay. And then at any point you can say, nope, you don't have access anymore and yeah. takes it away. All right. So and that so is the the name of the the name of the file is the thing that you're querying on then. Yes. You'll refer to it by the name of the file. All right. And since that's totally in your control, you can do whatever you want. I also considered at one point um giving you ways to set up file name aliases. Uh but that's down the road. Yeah, yeah. And and well, actually that's, under that's... Google Drive, that's not too hard to do. But yeah, that's that's kind of surprisingly more complicated than you would think that it would have to be or, you know like actually in google drive it is far easier than you think it might be oh because uh, google drive you know we when we use google drive we see a file system yeah it, it looks like you know folders and files and so forth that's not how it's structured under the hood under the hood it's a bunch of opaque objects with arbitrary path names to them. If you're if you've used S3, for example, same setup. Okay, all right. But one of the nice things about it in Google Drive is that you can, when you say open the file named this, that actually means that it does a query against the system to find something with an attribute of name and a value of whatever you just specified. Okay. You can set user attributes. So I can say, search for something with the name of this or the alias file name of this, and it'll just work. So it it, it oh, changes okay. it from huh. a query against one thing to a query against two things, which is pretty straightforward from a yeah. developer point of view. Yeah. So it's kind of like a, you don't have to know what the, the depth of the path is or, or whatnot per right. se. No, it, at no point in this will you need to know what the depth of the path is. Under the previous way where I said, trust me, I'm accessing just one folder, it yeah. only looks in that folder. In the future way where you're specifying each, you know, the files that you want, it is just going to look at that list and not care about the path. Okay. All right. Well, that's pretty cool. All right. That's so that's how we find the file. Now, um, I've done some APIs against like Google Sheets before. I've I've mostly it's been a read read values mm -hmm. out of it. And so you can kind of like grab like here's the whole spreadsheet on this, you know, this tab, here's everything on this tab. And and I usually then convert that into JSON and then kind of deal with it like right. that. So what what do you do on the the input side, I guess. How 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 are you thinking about these different commands to add a row and and things like that? What, what kind of happens behind the scenes? So one of the, I mean, the the first thing that you brought up is actually one of the the major points is that Google Sheets has an API and it is probably one of the best APIs that I've ever seen. Almost everything that you can do in Google Sheets using the keyboard, you can do using this API. So, you know, you can read cells and update cells and get the whole sheet, get just one cell in a sheet, right. update, you know, 
whole rows um, at one time. So it's very, very powerful. So usually uh, what it does when it, it first runs is it gets the just the first row because it needs to know what the headers are. And I should say first row of the first sheet. Right now it just operates on one, one, one tab. Okay. Um, so it gets the first row. It determines what the columns are, and it saves that in session storage because it doesn't need to uh, doesn't need to persist that any further. But it does come in useful. The other thing that it does is that it sets a, a set what's called a session entity in Dialogflow. So this is like a a regular entity type or a regular slot type except for the fact that all of the possible values in it are dynamic, they're situational. So I essentially have a slot whose values can be the headers, which, oh. makes, it, which makes it really easy when I'm doing the, um, the conversation design yeah. is I can say, you know, look for the phrases of what's the value of slot, change the value of slot and so forth and so on. Yeah. You know, so I don't need to just say, you know, what's the value of arbitrary string? And then later go figure out what that arbitrary string is. That's interesting. Okay. It really makes the conversation design really easy. Yeah, it has and, a tighter integration. Right. And this is one of the things that we've talked about as being really nice in both uh, Dialogflow and Action Builder is that we we have that kind of a notion of, of being able to do that and not tying it to some global intent. It's tied to an intent just when I have a file that is already open and I know what those possible slot values are. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's in session because you could between sessions go and manually update the spreadsheet, add some more formulas some columns duh, 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 and the next time you're in there, then it's going to grab the latest. Right. So it, it, it reads what those are when it opens it up. Uh, then the next thing it does is it goes and looks at the last row and says, okay, which of these columns have formulas in them? Because I'm not going to let you try to write a value to a column that has a formula in it. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And which of these columns do we otherwise have to handle specially? And that would be the, the date the column. Because again, yeah. I don't want you writing a date. Um. But ones where otherwise you're just entering in a value, it says, okay, so these are the columns that are going to be read-write, and these are the columns that are read-only. Okay, that makes sense. And then it goes and since it just figured out what the last row is, it gets the values and it just loaded in the values of the last row. Um, it now knows where the the virtual cursor is, if you think about it that way, what, what yeah, row okay. we're on. Yeah. So that when you ask questions, it then says, okay, uh, this is the row that I'm on. Let's go get the values for that row that's relevant to what I what they just asked for. And if I said something like, you know, what is the value of, you know, what's that value or what's this value? It says, we're well, okay, this is a slot value that points to this particular column. And it changes what this means dynamically. Okay. And then you there was a point where I think you said prompt me or something like that. Yes. And so what it's going to do is look through all of the 
read-write columns that don't currently have a value and prompt you? Correct. Okay. So the way that works, again, <clears throat> technically, is Dialogflow has a, a, a notion of state in it. So it puts you into a new context in Dialogflow. Okay. And while you are in that context, it essentially has collected the list of uh, read-write rows, iterates through them once, one by one, and when you have finished that, it exits that context to let you know that you know, you're now out and can do other normal commands. But otherwise, you know, while you're in that context, it has a couple of intents that are designed to just take the input that you're giving it. Okay, that's pretty clever. I like I like that. That's what, turns what out to the, be very smooth as far as the user interface, and I and I like the fact that there is such a good integration with with Dialogflow as far as it, it makes that code actually quite a bit easier than you would think it would have to be. It really does, and you know I, I feel like that was one of the really important parts to me, and also one of the challenges as I go forward because you know it's obvious to me I need to move this to Alexa. Um, but Alexa doesn't have that same kind of support. Yeah. So now I need to say, well, okay, uh, how do I do this? I've got, you know, <laughs> a really nice state system in dialogue flow. What do I do? And uh, I don't have an answer for that yet. Yeah, you're going to have to do your own state. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so so some of the other things to to kind of point out in that, you know, all of the inputs right now, can only be numbers okay. because again, slot types being number is easier than slot type being generic input and me having to figure out if you gave it a number versus a word versus something else. Yeah. Where, okay, be. where I'm going is that slot types will need to be fixed. Or, I'm sorry. Columns will need to be fixed. So they'll need to be numbers or a checkbox initially or google has also has what they call column constraints so you can uh say this cell can only take these possible values oh okay it's the data constraints thing yep okay. so i'll leverage the data constraints to now become entity types dynamic right. entity types All right. we're not so there yet yeah okay that's interesting all right, I can see that. I can see that working. Very clever. I like that. And and you know, again, I think all of this is meant to take advantage of the platforms. Yeah. You know, it's meant and it's meant to create a better user conversational experience. Yeah. I'm totally yeah, with you, Mark, about the yawns. I'm sorry. I'm having a really hard day. Totally terrible night's sleep last I, night. So oh, I, I, I am excited, but it's it is the end of the day. And it, so I, the, I, the content is interesting. It's just that I am fighting the yawns today. I totally am with you. Totally. <laughs> so I've, I've been trying to not like. Oh. No yawn. I am. I'm not. I'm not. I don't take it personal. All right. Oh, good. It's, it's just like. <laughs> So, you know, that's the basics of, of what you're doing and, and how it works behind the scenes. You know, it's mapping concepts 
to an API. And I think that's the most important thing that, that I got out of it is that I'm not trying to put voice on the API. I'm trying to put voice on concepts and figure yeah. out how to map those concepts. And it's kind of, it's focusing on the content in the spreadsheet as opposed to the structure of the spreadsheet. Well, I mean, the notion is that the structure is kind of built in. Yeah, yeah. It's whatever you set it to be. So um, I, I see the, like the weight tracker application that makes totally total sense. So now you can create, just by creating a spreadsheet, you've got a weight tracker application. Yep. Right. Um, what other types of things have you been have you thought of of like what um, what what this could be used for? So some of my favorite examples are again, it's things where you want to be able to enter data, but you don't want to necessarily pull out your phone and start poking in data. Yeah, you kind of want to do it ubiquitously, ambiently in the background. Okay. Um, so weights one is is one obvious thing. I use it for for you know just about anything where I want to record data with my eyes half closed and I don't want to open my phone yet. Um, yeah. Another good one that that I commonly think about is once we have assistance more in the car, for example, you know I could more easily record you know when I fill up the gas tank. As I'm driving off, say, here's how many gallons I put in, here's how much it costs, and here's my current mileage. Oh, and I can see that. And it would get the current time and maybe the current location. Yeah. And just plunk that in the spreadsheet. And then, you know, it would calculate, you know, the spreadsheet would have miles per gallon, cost per mile, all yep. of these other fun things. But you're just entering that data as you're driving off or as you're you know yeah topping it off or you know putting it back in place or whatever so it's it's those kinds of uses that i see as making a difference and you know i uh, a couple of weeks back um john stein asked me a question you know where where do i see voice really kind of taking the next big steps and i think it's in places like that where the interface needs to be completely different than how yeah. we are currently doing things. Yeah. You know, for people who are doing things like tracking the meals that they've eaten, how easy would it be if we just said, hey, make a note that I just ate an apple or that I just ate lunch or whatever? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think those are the applications that are powerful. And the great part about this in my mind is that it's a spreadsheet. Yeah. You can do whatever you can think of that records numbers. So you don't have to date. create a, uh, you know, let's, let's talk in the world of Alexa skills. You don't have to create a skill that is a weight tracker and then create another skill that is a, you know, it's like you create this Voodoo Drive app that you can use and each user can use however they want to use it. Right. And, they can have it be one app. They can have it be 20 apps, right? right. It's just, it's just opening a different spreadsheet. I think one of the great things that I, one of the things I love to do uh, with it in Google Actions, for example, is I will say, hey, G, record my weight. And it opens Voodoo Drive with the correct uh, spreadsheet open and just starts off and prompts me directly. Okay, so like a routine that opens it. 
Right. It's essentially it's what it is. Place. It's a routine. Okay. That I'm now treating as an alias. And, <laughs> you know, I issue, I just tell it to record my weight. And it does all of these things. That, I think, really starts getting into the the power of what we can do with voice and with tools like Voodoo Drive. Yeah, yeah. We can we can put a name to, in this case, it's a, an app going against a specific spreadsheet, but I could even see a combination of apps or, or processes or steps. You could give it a name and then, you know, you could, you could use it and and start tying things together and, and kind of mm -hmm. have that, hide that complexity. Um, One of the other things I think about a lot with voice is what does an audio dashboard sound like? You know, one of the yeah. hot things on spreadsheets is making these elaborate dashboards out of spreadsheets. They're pulling data in from all over the place and then in one one place showing you a pie chart and a, a bar graph and, and some numbers. Yeah. What does that sound like? You know, so if I just had as part of my morning routine to open a spreadsheet and give me a report, what is it? What is what does that do? Yeah. What, what like if what which widget which graphical chart right. do you do you tackle first? Do you? Well, I'm not even sure I would say yeah. tackle. I I mean even the basics of you know if I I said you know in the evening if I said good night when I say good night one of the things I wanted to do is tell me what the the state of my portfolio is that day for example. Okay. Okay. So if I've got a spreadsheet that has my portfolio, it has a ticker symbol and a quantity, for example, how many, how much of that that I own. And Google Sheets would then look up what the closing price was of each of those and multiply that by how many shares I own to get how much of each one, the, the value of each one, and then add those all up to give me a number. So I want a way to just query what that number is. Yeah. It's not that, you know, doesn't seem like it should be that hard. Yeah. But it's not some, you know, but to write a custom app to do that is elaborate. Yeah. I just do, I can just do it in a spreadsheet. And if I want to compare it to yesterday's close, that's just another column and another subtraction. Yep. And more that I report, you know, and another cell that I give an answer for. Very cool. So, so those are the sorts of things that I'm I'm trying to do with it. All right, so I, I I think we got a good idea of what it does, and we talked about some of the tech things, and and even you kind of hinted at uh, where things are going. You're kind of at a decision point of we're trying to decide what you know since Google Actions are going away. Yeah. Then where where does this uh, where I mean, does truth, move to next, or how does this proceed, Joe? Truth truth be told, it needed to go to Alexa sooner rather than later, anyway. Whether yeah. or not Actions was closing down. That's kind of forced my hand a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a bit about uh, where it's going. Well, and thanks also, for sharing. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say thanks for sharing that. Oh no, thank you for asking me. It is. It's been a fun project. It was probably the second, second or third uh, action that I wrote when I started. So it's it's been running now for quite a few years. That's actually pretty ambitious. Uh, it probably unlocked a lot of like, oh, this is how it works on some certain things. It probably was like 
uh, a lot of uh, things that you've learned from it that you can you've taken on additional projects now. I have. Uh, I mean, it, it a lot of what I learned really has gone into you know how I structure multivocal, and it's now partly written in multivocal. Uh, it's structured how I think about conversation design. It's really structured how I think about a, a lot of the elements that have gone into it, even including parts that that you didn't see here. You know how to how do you deal with error handling, and how do you deal with if you try to specify a column that doesn't exist? Yeah, um, all of these things really has shaped how I think about action design and voice app design in general. Huh. Wow, that's impressive. That was a, a pretty ambitious second project. <laughs> yes. Um, probably a bit foolish, but yeah. Well, part of it also was, I mean, the 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 interesting advantage is the history of Voodoo Drive. It started out as a spreadsheet, as a as a to-do list, hence the voodoo to-do. Oh, I see. Okay, but it was a voice control to-do list for Google Glass. Oh, wow. So and it has a longer history. It has a very long history. And it's actually, it was the first app that I wrote for Google Glass. <laughs> because I wrote it at the Glass Foundry Hackathon that uh, that was held. Wow. And it was very different then. It was, it was still using spreadsheets, but it was using a spreadsheet to manage a to-do list. With the concept that you know you could be out there going through you know needing to go through the to-do list and seeing what's next on the list and saying okay i've done that or you know those sorts of things and somebody else could also be adding items to the to-do list at the same time because it's just a spreadsheet right that anybody could could act on um and there were some other clever bits that i was hoping to do with it so that's where it started life um when Glass uh, actually rolled out, I ditched the the, the to-do list part of it, and it became more of a file management thing, dealing with Google Docs instead of Sheets, so that you could dictate short Google Docs that would get saved or have it read new Docs that suddenly showed up in your folder. So if a, a new document was dropped there, you could say, read it to me, and it would read it. Wow. But the API for Google Docs is not as powerful as the API for Google Sheets. So when I started working on the Assistant version, I said, you know, and, and at that time, Assistant didn't have notifications, which was like the major feature on Glass. So <laughs> I had to start over and went back to the, the Google Sheet concept. That's what I'm glad you. Did. I'm glad you added that that last uh, little bit. That's that's the history of it's, it's, This has really been a really big passion project of mine for a long time. Yeah, but you know, you're right. It's fun to talk about. It's, I you know, I enjoy talking about the tech elements of it because I hope there are important elements that other people can learn from. Yeah. So I would, you know, I I, I demo this whenever I get the chance, and. Uh, I always love hearing people's feedback on it. So I would love to hear what folks think. Um, if you've got other developer questions about how I did something, I'm not going to show code, but I'm very happy to talk about in, in some general terms how I did something. Yeah. Um, 
but in general, I would love to hear people's feedback. You know, find me on Twitter, find me on LinkedIn, comments below, all the usual suspects. And if you're working on some um, passion project of your own and would like to, you know, share that, uh, we're interested in knowing what types of things you're working on. So uh, contact us and and uh, maybe that will spark another idea that we can handle in a future episode of Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Thanks for asking, Mark. Have a great week. Take care, my friend. You too.